Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. Today on the podcast, we continue to travel all the way around the world, and we're going to Australia today to talk to Marty Kendall. So, Marty, if you want to tell everybody who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, um, I'm from Brisbane, Australia, other side of the world from you. And uh, yeah, by day, I'm a civil engineer and uh, married to Monica, who's has type 1 diabetes. And I suppose that was the impetus of our journey of trying to understand insulin and low carb and nutrition and nutrient density and it's just sort of evolved particularly over the last five years just keep trying to analyze for myself my family what optimal nutrition looks like and what should we eat for different goals tailored to you know mixing nutrient density with insulin load and satiety and a whole bunch of things together to tailor nutrition for people whatever their life stage is and whether they're trying to manage diabetes or get jacked and, 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 or run uh, triathlons like uh, silly people like yourself or, uh, or lose weight or whatever the goal is. So, yeah. That's great. So you, when you come into nutrition, a lot of people don't come into nutrition and then straight away go to nutrient density. A lot of people, <laughs> yeah. all, all, a lot of people always just uh, flirt around the edges before they actually realize, right, nutrient density, perhaps that's the thing I can go yeah. into. So, so how come you sort of come into nutrition and then thought, right, I'm going to aim for nutrient density straight away? What, what sort yeah. of sent you down that road? It, it was, it wasn't the initial thing, but um, I started playing with the food insulin index after I heard Jason Bung talk about it. And I found a 97 study from the University of Sydney that talked about um, measuring the insulin response to food. And I analyzed all these foods and found that basically the, the foods that elicited the, sh- the, the lower short-term insulin response were also, um, you know, basically refined fats and butter and oil and the like. And I thought, well, coming from a Rob Wolf paleo headspace. And I, there was this presentation by Matt Lalonde, um, the Kraken, and he did some amazing work in analyzing nutrient density way back in the day, about five or six years ago. And I thought, eh, you know, you may, be, you may want to stabilize insulin, but you also need nutrient density. So maybe we can bring the two together in basically a multi-criteria analysis, which is what I do by day. And uh, so basically smashed the two together um, to, to say, hey, if I want to keep my wife's insulin and blood sugar stable, but still want to give her enough nutrients, what are the optimal foods to, to tailor for that? So, yeah, and that led into satiety as well to try and say if you want to eat a whole lot more because you're really, really active, then what foods do you need to eat? Or if you want to lose weight without hunger, what foods do you need to eat? So sort of quantified and analyzed that. And uh, they're basically the three secret ingredients that go into the multi-criteria analysis to um, optimize foods for different goals. So that's your engineering brain there working then into that, yeah. so, you know, <laughs> yeah, bringing yeah. it all together and putting it. I mean, there is quite a few people in the nutrition space now that have come yeah. from an engineering background and are actually starting to break it down because yeah. I've spoken to doctors on the podcast and I've spoke, I have spoken to uh, engineers on the podcast as well. And what you find is that they, they come from totally different angles, yeah. but then always end up in the same place. It's really, really yeah. good to see. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but it, speaking about nutrient-dense foods then, what would you say under the umbrella term of, of nutrient-dense foods, what are nutrient-dense foods? Yeah, um, they, the, the foods that contain more nutrients per calorie. And um, yeah, so you talk all the time about whole foods, unprocessed foods, and that's basically the guts of it. But 
um, there's all these arguments that are nonstop about what are the best foods. And to my mind, it's just like which foods contain the nutrients that you need more of um, without having to overeat energy to get them. So, you know, it, it seems implicitly simple to me, but somehow the whole concept of nutrient density is um, flown under the radar and nobody really quantifies and it's easy to quantify it. Let's, let's win the argument about what is healthy food um, with numbers. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, so uh, when, if I was to say to somebody on the street, you need to eat nutrient-dense foods, then all we're yeah. talking about is foods that are high in vitamins and minerals and, and yeah. things like that. If I was yeah. to say energy-dense foods, then what's yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it's, it's, it's the same amount, the same weight or, you know, how, how many calories can you eat in a day? Like if you just could, the, the things that are the most easy to overeat, low-satiety foods are those foods that are rare in nature other than in autumn the combination of carbs and fat with low protein and they also tend to have a low nutrient density um, that are really easy to overeat and basically our our food system is engineered as science the way to create hyper palatable foods that make us want to eat a lot more of them but we can reverse engineer that to to find the foods that can have the nutrients we need and and I think it, it's important to quantify it. A lot of people talk about um, nutrient density, but it's, it's just, you know, people apply their belief system, whether it be carnivore or vegan or plant-based or whatever, to, you know, surely the thing I'm eating must be nutrient dense um, because that, that fits with my belief system. But if you quantify it, you can say quantitatively, are you getting all of the nutrients you need from these foods? And, you know, a, a vegan may be struggling to get B12 and omega-3 and, and the carnivore may be struggling to get other nutrients and and you know you can identify the foods that they need to eat more of to 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 balance that diet to get a truly balanced diet at a micronutrient level which you know once you do that all the you know silly arguments disappear basically that's right a lot of people talk about macros and your macros are obviously your carbs proteins fats and it yep. is important to get a good ratio, um, whatever your goal is of those. Yeah, but, if you, but if you did concentrate on your micros, which are obviously your vitamins yep. and, your, and your minerals and things, if you were to make sure that all those were in check, you was getting every micro, you was ticking every box everywhere, then it's very, very surprising to the fact that your body will tell you that that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm happy with yeah. that, you know, and, and yeah. won't look for the, those energy dense foods out there you know yeah. that, that, are, that are flooding the market so yeah, perhaps yeah, people need to steer away a little bit from concentrating so much on their macros to to then mm. concentrate more on their micros yeah you, you can dial in your macros and still have a really nutrient poor diet i mean the the if it fits your macros guys they go you know micros don't matter and food quality don't matter but when you look at what they're eating, they're, they're always the bodybuilding bros are always getting a gram, a, a, a gram per pound of body mass of protein, which protein aligns typically with nutrient density. So they're off to a head start and they've got a lot of uh, nutrition in the diet because they're already getting plenty of protein, but they continue, they could continue to dial it in. And like what we find is, um, you know, you, you, you crave protein, um, but you also crave um, your satiety kicks in once you get enough sodium, potassium, magnesium. And we've done the analysis to, to find an amazing satiety relationship between 
all of the micronutrients um, across the board. And it's really fascinating to say, well, what is the point that we get optimal satiety to the point that our body goes, yeah, I've had enough and I don't need to keep craving more foods and eating more. And yeah, ironically, the, the processed food system is full of those foods that just make you crave more because they're a perfect macro and lack of micronutrient combination that uh, makes you eat a whole lot more food. Yeah, that's great. And I love the way you said it out like that. It makes total sense. Mm. And, and everyone's obviously different with different goals. Um, so they always go Definitely. down, they always end up going down different paths. And um, something mm. that, that is quite um, popular at the moment is keto. And yep. uh, thank you very much for sending me your, your latest book <laughs> that you've wrote it all down in. But you've got a, a book out there and it's Big Fat yeah. Keto Lies. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Bit of a provocative title but well uh, <laughs> yeah no but um i i have seen a lot of people get into keto and a lot of people have come to me and said oh you know i've, I've tried this keto doesn't work and i've thought well you know perhaps you're not yeah. doing it properly or perhaps you're doing it differently to what you should be doing and what's your yeah. goals and all this people need to really sort of put their goal up there in lights you know yep. really look at it yep. really make sure you're aiming for that particular goal that you want yep so Big Fat Keto Lies is, is a great book and, and, and I've, I've Thanks, read through man. a little bit. I, I love the way you set it out with all your graphs and your diagrams and things. That's the, <laughs> the engineer side of you again. It's yeah. brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant though because, yeah. you know, a lot of people, let's face it, when you're reading a book, sometimes you just lose a little bit of interest halfway through and there's a diagram there and you think, oh, hang on a minute, it picks up your interest <laughs> and, you, and you're carrying on, aren't you? That's, that's the way it goes. Um, so it, it's great. But explain to us a bit about sort of, keto lies why do people end up getting into keto and then 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 struggling yeah yeah i suppose big fat keto lies is my uh chronicling of the mistakes i've made and the dead ends i've hit over the last five years of coming into keto and as i said my wife is type one and and low carb and and reducing carbohydrates and stabilizing insulin load has been a real blessing for us and it's changed her life and changed the quality of her life hugely um, but there's so many beliefs and dogma that if you take them to an extreme, you hit a dead end and it, it no longer um, continues to work and maybe will worsen your situation just by continuing to chase the ketones. So, um, yeah, I suppose the first thing is that, you know, the idea of chasing ketones to get higher ketones, you know, what is keto? It's, it's a diet that produces technically greater than 0.5 millimoles of ketones but the reality is that most people as they get healthy um, tend to have less ketones flooding around their blood lower blood sugars lower free fatty acids as they re they, they basically um, reverse their obesity and they they work within their personal fat threshold and their body can hold all that excess energy what we've found over the last five years is more people have tried the ketogenic diet for a, a longer period and even in our nutritional optimization masterclass, after a couple of weeks of ketones rising, they tend to start to fall as we improve our metabolic health. And basically, the you've got a personal fat threshold, um, which Professor Roy Taylor from the UK um, really pioneered a few years ago, uh, where he basically said that your fat cells are like a sponge. And, and, and once they are not over full anymore, they can then absorb the energy again. So not only do you have um, less body fat, you've got less fat floating around in your bloodstream and then um, glucose and ketones all sort of backed up in front of that because of oxidative priorities. So you, 
your ketones are first in line after alcohol to be burnt and then your, your carbs and then your fat and excess protein and then, and then body fat. So um, it makes sense that as your body fat reduces, you become more metabolically healthy, metabolically flexible, whatever you want to call it. You don't have these high levels of ketones, high levels of energy floating around in your blood. So we really see our ketone levels drop as we get healthier. But meanwhile, all these people who are believing that, that ketones are the be all and end all continue to chase higher and higher ketones. So I suppose that's something I learned is that learned the hard way is that continuing to chase ketones is is a bit of a fool's errand and um so by definition keto has got a bit of an identity problem and i think as more people understand that they'll go okay i need need to chase a diet that gives me nutrients and satiety that you know i may get ketones from my body fat and that's a great thing but to have ketones from you know more and more you know high fat low nutrient density low satiety foods, it's not necessarily going to lead you to optimal metabolic health in the long term. So that's sort of the the cornerstone. And then through the rest of the book, I've sort of unpacked all the different things um, that, that I've come across and and tried to analyze with data and my own experience to, um, to try and find a, a better way forward and, and how we can fine tune the keto diet. And, and there's so many benefits of avoiding processed carbs and, and lowering carbs and prioritizing protein and prioritizing nutrient density. But um, just being keto is, is a very nebulous term that doesn't really help us guide our long-term progression. Yeah. I think like all of the diets, like the, the carnivore diet, the keto diet, even a vegan diet to some extent, they're all reset diets and eventually mm. you, your body will get used to what's going on whether it be mm. carnivore keto whatever so so just to sort of um put it out there to our audience what you're saying is if, if you do start on a, a keto kind of diet looking following those ketones then yes they're going to be great to start off with mm. Um, mm. but you will plateau as your body gets used to burning more ketones and and yeah. eventually decrease a lot of people so i've tried it's been in ketosis, but it's no good now. My body, it's not working. It's all decreasing yeah. and, and everything like that. Well, well, that's why it's because your body has managed to get to the optimal place where it wants to get to. And, and now perhaps you just have to focus on something different, which could be, let's say, nutrient dense foods. Why not? That's what we're after. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah that's yeah. good. And, and, and like, it's really important to stabilize your blood sugars and get them to normal, healthy levels and, you know, switching to more fat. Um, or, or a you know, more nutrient-dense, low-carb diet, which tends to come with more protein, is a really good thing. And the, the added fat and not fearing fat can be a really nice transition. But at a point, once you stabilize your blood sugars, it really helps to then go, okay, if I want to burn body fat, I need to dial back my, my dietary fat so I can allow my body fat to be used, which you know, leads to all the benefits that we understand come from ketosis but you know most of the benefits that you hear about from ketosis is when you're burning your own body fat um so you need to set your diet with that as the goal yeah i think it's important to say there that um you can only be in ketosis if you are burning your own body fat it's not the other way around that's that's important to say and and i, lo I love in your book as well that just reminds me about the uh, little uh, diagram that you put in there a little, little graphic that you put in there about um it was was it lean human uh, eating lean meat is is to starve um, and lean and le yeah. obese human 
eating lean meat is is fat loss and i think that just speaks volumes it speaks a thousand words that little uh, graph there so that that was brilliant and that that just emphasizes like what we're saying as well so yeah that, that was from ted Naiman who um talk you know lots of people go well what about rabbit starvation if i just eat you know lean protein i'll get rabbit starvation which is the situation where lean active explorers are running around you know eating rabbits because they're plentiful and pretty much the only thing they can eat but it's lean protein and you, you after a while you use up your own body fat and you can't use the protein but most most of us aren't running around chasing rabbits we're sitting sit in our, our bums eating energy dense food that comes from uber eats or whatever and uh you know that dying from a from a lack of body fat is is well uh is a, is a long-term uh risk for most of us and and yeah so pro, satiety often comes with a higher protein percentage which is a factor of dialing back carbs and dietary fat in um to to, to achieve greater satiety to, to lose body fat but if if you're a triathlete and you're um expending five thousand calories a day on on the bike then dialing up your dietary fat is a is a great play and there's a whole bunch of whole number of reasons that you're well aware of that it's a really good thing to be burning fat most of the time and and preserve that glycogen for explosive events yeah that's right yeah it's um if you if you can train train your body to burn fat then uh, it'll use glycogen and it'll lose use glucose more effectively and more efficiently so that's uh, the great way to think about it uh, you've got oh, the nitro boost fuel when you need it yeah yeah um uh, fasting you've, you've mentioned fasting as well in, in your book yeah. and uh, and a lot of people think you know i can do fasting and get into in, in, intermittent fasting let's say and then push the boundaries and try and go three to four to five six to seven days with fasting mm. uh, i just uh, i'd love for you just to explain to, to people a little bit that um the way you put it is uh, more isn't necessarily better yeah yeah I, I i've really i've come across the idea of um you know, progressive overload in in weightlifting over the last couple of years and really enjoyed that and i'm sure you you know as a triathlete you're, you're training yourself through progressive overload you don't do a marathon the first day because you'll you'll never go back and you probably die doing it but um it's sort of a similar sort of thing with fasting that uh i think you want to push your body a little bit into burning fat and then be able to recover well by eating well high satiety foods, nutrient dense foods, and then go again um, and then refuel well. But when you get to the point where you're reaching for the, the really energy dense, uh, low nutrient density binge foods, when you find yourself like binging uncontrollably because you know I fasted for three or seven days and I really deserve it, then that's the point where a lot of people find themselves, you know, I'm, I'm fasting for autophagy. So I fasted for seven days, but then I refed and I gained weight. And I, I really don't think you're going to be getting the benefits that you're hoping for of this magical autophagy state. If you just keep losing and gaining the same few pounds over and over again. And we, in our group, you know, that that's the number one by far a long way that that's the, downside people list of of trying to fast by normal sort of methods is that they just keep on losing weight and and regaining it and potentially if they're eating nutrient poor low satiety low protein foods because they're afraid of insulin because of protein or something in gluconeogenesis then 
um, they're potentially losing lean body mass every time they fast and, and not refeeding to the point that they're going to improve body composition. And when you look at the Volta Longo studies in, in mice, in autophagy, they're fasting for seven days, which is the equivalent of like 40 or more days for a human. And that would, you know, Angus Burberry fasted for 382 days, but you know, other people die from starvation if they're a whole lot leaner. And I, I just don't think that we can use those mice studies to say, yeah, we're getting this magical autophagy from our three-day fast. What you really want to achieve is that long-term optimized body composition, um, you know, move from being an obese diabetic to something a little bit more like a, a lean bodybuilder with a better body composition with lean body mass and not too much body fat, which is a better place to be. So if you just do that progressive overload of fasting a little bit more each time um, and going, you know, enough to dip into your, your, glue, your fat stores, but not to the point you're going to binge, it's a much more sustainable approach. And yeah, we've um, kicked off data-driven fasting, which is a really cool little thing where people use their their blood sugars to understand whether they need to refuel and if they drop just below their their normal baseline um personal trigger we call it you can then you know it's time to eat it's time to refuel again and if you just basically progressive overload get a little bit lower each time as you continue then um you know it works a treat and you get that long-term um benefit of optimized body composition and you get acquainted with real hunger and you learn to eat real food when you refeed and it's like a really nice pairing of the two eating well and um and some level of intermittent fasting but not pushing it so far that you push you, you wake your lizard brain and, and binge yeah i think that's a great way to put it and it's it's a great way to monitor it as well but if people can just think of all of these things that we're talking about like fasting and keto and, and all that as acute stressors you know we talked about uh, different kinds of acute stressors like cold therapy and things on the podcast before but fasting really is in that bracket just think of it as an acute stress you know make sure that you're not doing it all the time make sure that you mix it up you know as i always often say to people don't do things that you always do every day so, or every mm. week. So if you, it's an intermittent fast every day, great. But perhaps, you know, choose different hours of the day to do your intermittent yeah. fasting. Or, you know, maybe don't do it on one day of the week or two days of the week. Do something mm. different. You know, make yeah. sure that that fasting is an acute stress so that your body doesn't adapt to it and, and it doesn't become a, a chronic stress over time. So that's great. Yeah. Um, and on those training days when you've trained you for your triathlon, then you may want to have three meals a day, but maybe on days you're less active than one meal a day. You, you, yeah. And that the glucose is the fuel gauge is a really nice hack to understand rather than tracking ketones to get ketones higher and higher. You don't know whether it's coming from body fat or your dietary fat. You can use your, your glucose to go, yeah, I need to eat now um, throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so earlier on, you mentioned um, lack of things like sodium and, and magnesium and, and potassium. And that's kind of what's lacking for a lot of people, those sort of yeah. uh, nutrients. And, and it's really due to kind of large scale farming and, and monocropping and, mm. and things that have happened nowadays and in, in, in giving us our, our processed food. So uh, how can we 
make sure we get these things, these sodium, magnesium, potassium, and that in, into our into our diet. If if we're not actively going out there and searching them, what sort of foods are those things in? Because when you mention those, you say, oh, you're not getting enough sodium, you're not getting enough magnesium, potassium. People look at you gone out as if I've said something wrong, you know. So <laughs> so how do we make sure when you when you talk about vitamins, you talk about vitamin A, vitamin K2, B12, people yeah. are more receptive. They they kind of think, yeah. oh yeah, I, I can get those from from my food, you know. But when you yeah. talk about things like sodium, magnesium, potassium, looking at it as if, you know, should I be taking a supplement? What where do I get these from? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And if um, I suppose people coming onto the the low carb keto type diet, um, they'll cut out a lot of the processed foods and, and processed foods are very heavy in sodium because we have an appetite for them and we want more of them. So we seek out those foods. So it's a really good hack to combine um, sugar, fat and salt to make people crave more of these foods because your body actually does need sodium, especially if you're active. And once you get above um, three or four grams per 2000 calories, your appetite really goes, yeah, I've, I've had enough and I'm, I'm, I don't want any more of those high salt foods. And if, if um, you, you have really salt to taste is a really good approach. But if you go from the, the highly processed diet to really clean eating, um, low carb diet, you'll cut out a lot of those sodium foods. So yeah, um, using salt on your food is a good thing. And, and, salt to taste but um magnesium potassium are really um somewhat in high carb foods but really they're, they're found in in non-starchy green vegetables everything that is green is related to chlorophyll and and is um centered on magnesium um and potassium has an amazing satiety response and it's probably the most um deficient in our in our modern food system and it's really because like you alluded to our foods are just grown in the same soils over and over again, year after year. They're, they're not rested anymore. There's no animal interaction with them. There's no, you know, um, grazing animals that, that, that put, you know, that re-fertilize the soil naturally. We're just jamming all these fossil fuel fertilizers into it to maximize production as quickly as we can. So these foods are grown in soils that don't contain the nutrients we need and they're grown more quickly. So they're not going to extract as many nutrients with, you know, deep roots into the ground. So um, you really do need to make an effort to seek out these foods that contain the, the essential minerals you need. It can be easy to get nutrients, uh, your vitamins, some of them, but yeah, minerals are really, really often the most difficult things to find. And it's good to maybe even track for a little while to make sure you're getting enough of those harder to find nutrients, especially the minerals. If you're, if you're not eating a massive amount of green veggies, maybe you're on a carnivore diet or whatever. Yeah, and, and I have said to people in the past, especially if you're training like myself, um, don't be scared to uh, supplement with electrolytes, you know, because they mm. will they will help as long as it's they're obviously clean electrolytes and things they will mm. contain all your sodium magnesium potassium yeah. things like that um but if yeah, you are a lot if, of the time they're, they're pretty heavy on um sodium and not as yeah, much magnesium yeah. potassium and if you try to unfortunately if you try to supplement with a lot of magnesium and any minerals really you end up in the toilet so it's um it's a fine balance of not yeah you have to be careful yeah you have to be careful and find the right source for you like you say to match it up with your nutrition because if you are having your 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 nutrient dense options like you say like your your veggies and and green vegetables and things like that then then you're okay you know you're getting what you need It's, it's if you go a bit too more 
over to the carnivore side, the animal base, then that's potentially where you're losing a little bit of that if you're not eating all the organ meats and, and nose to tail yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about calories then. A lot of people say, okay, but I know I need to get my macros right. I know I need to get my micros right, but I also need to count my calories. What, what do you say to people like that? Yeah, I mean, calories are interesting and, and somewhat useful, but I, I really, um, you know, in our nutritional optimization masterclass, we encourage people to to look at their macros rather than mucking around of calories because you, you want enough protein to prevent loss of lean muscle mass. You want not too much carbohydrate. Um, so your blood sugars are, are fairly stable at, a, at healthy levels. They don't need to be flatline, but healthy blood blood sugar levels are a good thing. And then you want to dial in your fat. The ketogenes talk about using fat as a lever to um, to get enough energy in your diet. So if, you, if you're very active, you need a bit more fat. And if you're less active, you might want to dial the fat back, especially if your goal is fat loss. But yeah, the, the, the calorie thing is... Um, you know, tracking calories is, is really challenging. And there's so many reasons why, you know, the, the people literally go insane trying to track their calories and eating disorders are strongly correlated with people using MyFitnessPal to track the calories and try to stay under this, this limit. And they're trying to hold to this, you know, how many calories, how many more calories can I eat? Um, what's my limit? You're always thinking about food and how much food you can eat and how much more food you can eat and trying to limit yourself and fight fight your lizard brain. And But, you know, if you look at protein, protein has got a massive dietary-induced thermogenesis where you lose 25 to 35% of the calories that you eat to heat in metabolizing them into ATP. So, you know, and then carbs and fat are maybe 5 to 15%. So um, those the carbs and fat are much easily turned to, uh, to, to ATP or stored as body fat. So, you know, a calorie is not really a calorie. And there's so many reasons why using calorie tracking and, and trying to limit yourself to that um, is a, a fool's errand. And, uh, you know, focusing on foods that promote satiety uh, or, or, you know, if you're trying to be very active, dialing up the dialing down satiety so you, you can eat more energy is a much better way to do it because your appetite is always going to win out in the long run you can you know the bodybuilders will maintain under a certain calorie limit for a certain amount of time until they do the stage show and then the, the appetite just kicks back in and you know they're obese again in a few weeks a lot of them and just because their appetite is just uncontrollable these really type a highly self-disciplined people that the appetite wants you let that constant obsessive control level off and, and eat these hyper palatable foods, you know, that the lizard brain kicks in and make sure you get that body fat back on to survive. Yeah. I think it's important to say that nobody really knows about calories either because it could say a certain amount of calories on a packet, mm -hmm. but is that really the amount that's in there? You know, no, nobody, really knows if it's accurate or not and how yeah. much of it are you eating are you eating 100 grams of it yeah. are you not you know yeah. and everybody's metabolic rate is different so yeah. i could consume the same amount of calories of you and we could both be sat down doing nothing in a room yet one of us would burn more calories than the other so nobody yeah. 
really knows how much you're getting in and are either either how much you are actually expelling as well so it's a very mm. very difficult thing to to track and when people try to to track it like you say they end up just starving the body really and then the body wins out in the end and says look just yeah. give me something i can use you know and then seeks out all the the fats and the macros and the micros so you may as well start there in the first place with your yeah. nutrient dense food and, and look to satiety yeah. and make sure your body is getting what it actually wants because it, like you say it will win out in the end <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but your body's much smarter we uh we have this conscious brain that thinks it's you know really really smart we can use this smartphone app and our fitness trackers that count the calories from how much we ride or walk and whatever but you know you they're really inaccurate to start with but you your um, lizard brain is always going to kick in and make sure you survive and is it's very very smart and finds a way to trick you to um eat that little bit more to, to make sure you don't starve to death basically which is a good thing but uh, yeah attacking it from a a food quality, nutrient density, satiety perspective is a, a much smarter place to start. Yeah, so we talked about um, carbs and, and protein and fats and all those uh, macronutrients and even talked about micronutrients. But I often say to people about trying to avoid the processed foods market because of all the uh, industrial seed oils that are pumped into, mm -hmm. into the food nowadays. What are they and why are they so bad? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I some people say they're intrinsically bad, but I think the main problem is um, is just that since the last hundred years, since we worked out how to extract them from um, from various soybeans and and the like, is uh, they've just dominated our food system. And and over the last hundred years, they've just grown and grown and grown and grown, and they're just incredibly cheap to produce and the food manufacturers love throwing them into everything and uh yeah so over the last hundred years vegetable oils is what they call them but the the amount of them in our food system has just gone up phenomenally i think it's like 500 calories per person per day and then over the last 50 years that the carbohydrates have have gone up fairly significantly as well so when you combine the two and you know proteins more expensive so that doesn't tend to be prioritized in processed foods so you've got this combination of carbs and fats together with low protein that is just this perfect hyper palatable hyper profitable low nutrient density low satiety combination that drives this binge instinct that we just can't stop eating so um it's perfect for maximizing profit um, but not great for what most of us want, which is health and vitality and, and, and feeling and, and looking good. Yeah, just getting bacterial food, steering away from all that big processed um, stuff from all those big companies, just get back. Yeah, yeah. So, so if, if you look at the, the packet and you see some combination of seed oils with refined starches or sugars with um colorings and flavors you know it's an engineered product and uh yeah it's probably not going to be good for you it's going to be good for the the marketers and the food producers yeah that's brilliant i love the way you set out all your real food in your cookbooks you've got all sorts of different kind mm. of cookbooks as well it's i uh, had a look through and there's some absolutely great recipes <laughs> in there because um, yeah. I, it seems like i'm similar to you because i hate to overcomplicate. i mean you read some of these books and they're like oh you need this that the other and the ingredients list longer than you can you know you yeah. lose interest halfway down don't you reading some yeah, of these yeah. ingredients lists. 
So the way you, you set your yours out is brilliant. And um, I noticed as well, you got a lot of organ meats and, and things in there because yeah. they're, they're the, the nutrient dense foods. And I, I often talk about um, animal produce being nutrient dense. And I've spoke to people on the podcast before about bioavailability and that we don't yep. really get as many nutrients and, and vitamins and things from plants as, as perhaps we do animals, especially, mm. especially the organ meats, things like that. Yep. But that's yep. not to say that we don't get any. So mm. can you say, can you just clear up the fact that yeah. it's okay to eat vegetables, plants, uh, fruits, nuts, things like that? Yeah, that, that, that's a really interesting debate. And I suppose, um, like you say, you know, something's a hundred percent bioavailable from your animal based food versus, you know, it's, Maybe your calcium's less bioavailable, and your your iron's less bioavailable from your uh, plant-based foods. But if your animal-based foods have got, you know, one hundredth of what you actually need, it doesn't matter if you know it's one hundred percent bioavailable. You know, one hundred percent of one percent is still one percent. So you, you've you've got to find that balance. And really, um, as you saw from the pictures, you know, most of our Nutrient dense foods tend meals tend to be a combination of of meat, seafood, and and veggies, non-starchy veggies. So it's sort of optimal seems to lie somewhere between those extremes. And and people like to label their diets, you know, carnivore or, or plant based, and you know, have this religious zealotry again about it. But you know, we, we we say your diet doesn't need a name or a belief system; it just needs enough nutrients. Um, yeah, so the bioavailability thing is is interesting, but it really only becomes relevant if you've, you're at that extreme plant-based end and, and getting getting enough magnesium in your diet. Um, m- most of the things that you you need more of, the vitamins and minerals, are, are fairly bioavailable from plant-based foods. Maybe your calcium is less bioavailable in your iron, but you're getting a lot of iron from your your meat anyway, and there's heaps of vitamin A and vitamin B12 if you're eating some degree of, of animal products. So it's typically for people who are on an omnivorous diet, it's you know your omega-3, your potassium, your sodium, your calcium that are, are real struggles to get enough of. Yeah, and I think, it, again, it comes back to like what we said earlier, um, don't go too far one way or too far the other way if, if you are going... Um, just animal produce one side then obviously you're going to be lacking something um, somewhere yeah. if you go in plant-based vegan and all that the other side then again yeah. you're going to be lacking something somewhere so why not bring them all together stick them all yeah. in, the, in the middle you know make sure you're getting all nutrient density all bases covered mm-hmm. from all different mm-hmm. kinds of food that's you know like you say it doesn't need a name perhaps it's the nutrient dense <laughs> diet or whatever but, <laughs> but that, that's the way to do it and uh, yeah i just jotted down one here that i said oh I must ask you about because um, I tried it not so long ago and it was absolutely brilliant. And I thought nobody yeah. had ever done it ever before. And I was going to like promote it out there as though I was the only person that ever done it. And then I saw it in your cookbook. <laughs> and it's a uh, chicken liver and chicken hearts wrapped in, oh, really? uh, yeah. wrapped in bacon. Cause uh, you know, yeah. with Chris- Christmas coming up and things and that, and everyone's yeah, doing yeah. pigs in blankets. I thought, wow, yeah. you know, I thought I've invented something here and then I see you've beaten me to it. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, but on the simplicity thing, like people like to create these cookbooks that are full of these comfort foods, the special occasions, but just like the food manufacturers create foods that we like to eat more of them. That's what most of the recipe books are about. And 
you know, keto comfort foods and paleo comfort foods and whatever that, that you know, they're just created to maximize intake and we, we wanted to create something that showed people what uh, you know satiety and nutrient density look like in, in real food and it doesn't need to contain a, a massive array of complex foods uh, and ingredients and we don't want them to be horrifically complex so you you'll only do them once a week or once a month for a special occasion we want to create we wanted to create recipes that uh you know people could eat all the time three times a day two times a day or whatever and, and just get what they needed from everyday food that they could easily create in the kitchen but to you know nutrient density is such a nebulous term we thought you know let's show people photos of what nutrient dense um meat containing products or even you know vegan or um, vegetarian or what, what does it, what, what does nutrient dense keto look like let's show people in a book um, yeah so that's um, today I've been working on another raft of, of recipes and uh, and books to throw together so everybody wants you know what about low histamine what about low oxalate and low FODMAP and so I've been trying to build those recipe books as well yeah great brilliant and it's been absolutely amazing talking to you today, Marty. I think we're we're aiming from the coming from the same lines, you know, coming trying to promote yeah. nutrient dense food and trying to get everybody just to just to eat real food. And and at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of things you can break down. You can break it down like we have into macros and micros and protein and vitamins and minerals. But at the end of the day, it's just about producing your own food. Get in mm. your kitchen, get some real food and mm. just produce it yourself. There's no mm. need to go out there and buy anything really that's in a packet, you know, anything that's mm. been produced by anybody else. I mean, earlier on in, in the uh, podcast episode, I, I spoke to uh, Dr. Bill Schindler, who says, look, mm. look, He's all awesome. you, yeah, he is brilliant. He says, all you have to do is just go in your kitchen and make something. And that's basically it, you know, just get the ingredients, go in your kitchen, just make it. And then yep. you, you're a step in the right direction. So yeah. I guess I, I guess I'm just encouraging people to get in the kitchen more and see what they can make and and you know yeah. grow your own veggies in your garden and and source pro, pro animal produce locally from your farmer wherever you are. Yep. There's always a local farmer or a local butcher which you can get mm. your things from. You know, stop stop going to the supermarket and funding these big corporations. So that's really the, the message that I'm trying to get out there. And I think it is yeah. you as well. So, definitely. so it's good. Definitely. And, and those, those um, nutrient dense foods that contain all those nutrients, they, they, your body says, yeah, that's what I need. So it tastes great. Uh, especially once you take all the, um, you know, fake foods and fake flavors that are amped up to, to 13, you know, our kids, when they go out, they go, yeah, that, that doesn't really taste as good as the, <laughs> food mum cooks at home that you know is real food and and you enjoy real healthy food yeah if it doesn't come in a, a packet with a barcode with a whole pile of ingredients that you don't recognize then you're definitely taking a step in the direction the right direction and it's um awesome to see more people talking about nutrient density and hopefully it'll catch on more yeah yeah like you say your body rewards you in the end i like like you said earlier about the brain you know you think you're you're doing one thing whereas your body is actually in control and it'll tell you if you're doing yeah. it right won't it so yeah yeah. yeah that's been great marty talking to you today if, if people yeah. want to uh, follow you or find you or, or join in with everything you're doing um let's let's tell yeah. them where they can yeah, yeah, yeah um google optimizing nutrition i've got a blog with a whole pile of um long form blogs um if they google big fat keto lies um we're just uh, releasing that 
And we've got a data-driven fasting challenge uh, that just guides people through finding their personalized intermittent fasting lifestyle that will actually lead them to their, their long-term goals, whether it be diabetes reversal or um, weight loss. Um, yeah, so, and there's recipe books out there as we've talked about. Um, and we also do a, a optimal, uh, nutritional optimization masterclass where for people who want to um, get a bit fancy and, and track their food and say what nutrients does it contain and what foods and meals contain more of them. Um, we use Nutrient Optimizer, which we've created to guide people to go, these are the, the foods and meals that contain more of the nutrients that I need more of. And we're going into the final week at the moment of that. And it's really fun to see people get really um, competitive to get to the top of the leaderboard to try and get... <laughs> 100% score to compete on nutrient density. And it's, it's really cool to see people get uh, to light up about that and get really competitive and design amazing foods and meals that they love eating and hopefully will be able to sustain for the long term. Yeah, brilliant. Have you got a, there's a Facebook group, I think, that people could uh, join. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, optimizing Nutrition and uh, Nutrient Optimizer Facebook group and a data-driven fasting Facebook group. Facebook group and there's a optimizing nutrition page. I obviously spend way too much time on Facebook, but uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I joined in uh, yesterday. I think you accepted me and I just had a quick read through. Well, it's, it's brilliant though, because it's, it makes a good community out of it and people talking yeah. and asking, the, you know, people asking questions and then and then other people answering them because they've been through the same thing or, or found yeah. it out themselves. It's it's really, really good to, to know yeah. that there's people out there. If, if you're struggling with something, just go there and, and somebody will have the answer <laughs> so it's great yeah no the, the community aspect is really powerful and we've built an amazing community of people who are all nerding out about um, optimizing nutrition which is just a dream come true for me so i love it brilliant marty thank you very much for your time that's been great hey thanks matt really fun it was great to talk to marty as you just heard he bases all his thoughts around nutrient density which is the base I build on also. Although we poked about at other aspects of nutrition like seed oils and bioavailability, it's important to remember to just focus on the nutrient density and remove all that processed food from your nutrition. If you can lend your thoughts towards th more about thinking what micros you are getting, what vitamins and minerals are you consuming from your nutrition? Think about the micros rather than the macros. Do this and you will begin to excel and be able to thrive as a human. Just know that when you have that cake or that chocolate cookie, those micros are going to be lacking and all you're going to get is a load of carbohydrates and a massive sugar spike. I mean, most people know that cakes and chocolate cookies are not great for nutrition, but it's also learning to extend this thought to breads and grains, cereals and pastries. They are also likely to give you glucose spikes without any nutrient density. So again, Fill your diet and nutrition with the vitamins and mineral-packed real foods. Now, I've got a great Christmas present for you all next week when we talk to Dr. Tommy Wood. It's going to be a great one. We really debate the fact around 
polyunsaturates. Do we need them in our diet? Do we not? Um, particularly looking at seed oils and omega-6. And he also informs us about the truth, the real truth behind bioavailability. And he looks to fine-tune our nutrition. So it's a great one there with Tommy Wood next week. Also, I know a lot of podcasts are stopping over the next two weeks because of Christmas and things like that. I'm going to keep pushing mine out there because I've got some great guests lined up, some great people that you need to listen to to help you refine your nutrition. I've got Brad Kearns coming up, former professional triathlete. He's great. He lays it all out there about what he used to do with his nutrition, how he focuses on it now. I've got Amy from Hunter Gather Food. She talks to us about what she believes in should be in foods and how to process it and how to put it out there into the public domain. She's got now a produce in the in certain shops, so that's great. But don't forget to use your free time to look back at some episodes we've already done, some great ones that people are really liking. Dr. Bill Schindler, he was an amazing guest to talk to. And Mary Ruddock, everybody seems to like listening to Mary and probably going to ask her if she can come on again and tell us a little bit more. She seems a very popular podcast guest. So I'm pleased you're enjoying these. I'm doing my best to get the best guests out there for you. So just leave us a rating, leave us a review. Let us know if we're doing a good enough job for you. So thanks again and smile, be happy. Be true to yourself, have lots of fun, and I shall see you next time. Mm -hmm.